coming to you live from a fogged out apartment somewhere in the United States. It's the TH Cinema Podcast. Podcast. My name is Dan, and with me, as always, is the Gorgonites, to my elite commandos. That's what I'm talking about. The summer winds that make me feel fine. <laughs> okay. That's nice. Blowing through the candles in my <laughs> mind. Snort. Hello. Silent John. Hello. And Frank couldn't be here today. But Chaz is here. What's up? <laughs> he time traveled here from 1995. <laughs> <laughs> Appropriate with the film we're watching. Very much so. Uh, we, yeah, so we have a special special guest in live in studio today. Uh, Chaz has come out to to be a live guest on our Summer Days Small Soldiers episode. Absolutely happy to be here. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for hosting me, guys. It's it's like the old classic sleepover in the middle of summer. It's kind of nice, isn't it? Yeah, it's like, yeah, that's exactly how it is. Well put, yes. Yeah, Jazz took a little summer vacation. Yeah. A little trip to get here. Absolutely. Can't wait to check this film out and uh, see what you guys think of it. Yeah, because today we are continuing on our summer days summer toys nostalgic weird mishmash of a fucking programming block that we're doing this summer well you know sometimes we just make it up as we go it It, works it's summer the the rules don't apply anymore there are no rules there are no rules it's summer and for this week we're gonna be watching a john nostalgic movie yeah guys today we're gonna be diving into small soldiers which for me was was a movie that i absolutely loved as a kid I, i will admit it has been a long time since I've seen it, so I don't remember everything about it. But when a premise of a movie is pretty much summed up about missile technology being used to enhance toys, I mean, how does that not instantly like sell you to a movie? I mean, that's fun as hell. Yeah, that's definitely a throwback from the the, the late '80s, early '90s heyday of like war games. Like, let's get let's get the military involved with children as early <laughs> of an age as we possibly can. Like. On the subject of toys, fucking Robin Williams toys. That entire movie is about the military using toys for technology reasons. Great film. Great film. But I think like the military influence started even before that with like G.I. Joe, like ultimate classic. Uh, oh, it's kids been, a, toy. been around for a while. Yeah. Yeah. The plastic military industrial complex has been rolling for a long fucking time <laughs> at this point. But at least on this spin, it's a little bit like funner. I mean, Joe Dante is directing it. And I mean, guys, he did the Gremlins movies. We love those movies. It's the same person? Yeah. Oh, I yes, didn't indeed. know that. Favorite Christmas movie. Oh. oh. Guys, my alarm's going off. That means da 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 da. It's 420. It's our 420 with chess. Ba 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 ba. Ba 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 ba. Happy 420. Happy 420. That was caught live on air. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. I was a big uh, action figure guy. What about you, John? A hundred percent. I had boxes of like wrestlers. Are you kidding me? 
Who who was your number one? Who who was your go to? Who was your favorite in the box? It was always Mister. You can't see me. It was always John Cena. I had so many variations too. So many different T-shirts. Sometimes he had jerseys on. Oh, it was great. What What about you, Snor? What was your action figure? So, I actually did play with action figures a lot. I played with Star Wars action figures like mm. all the time. I had a lot of old ones that were like passed down to me and stuff. And then, yeah, all the newer ones. Loved them. That checks out. That yeah. completely checks out. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Jess? Well, what's your action figure you remember, pal? I don't remember a lot, but I do remember G.I. Joe was huge, especially when they started running the TV show with Sergeant Slaughter on it from mm. wrestling. Oh. My favorite one by far was always Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow because I had a little brother, so it always felt like one of us was always fighting over who's going to be Snake Eyes and who's going to be Storm Shadow. Loved it. <laughs> and Baroness. Wow. Even to this day. Impressive. Still still holds a candle? Still burning right here. <laughs> Somebody can like ask. Wait, so Dan, uh, yeah. <laughs> what's your favorite? Well, I mean, I had the Ghostbusters ones. That, those were my go-to. The animated series Ghostbusters ones with all the weird variations that you'd be able to like. They were like Transformer Ghostbuster action figures. I also wow. also He Man, bunch of He Man mm-hmm. ones. Ooh, that's a good back one. in the day. Huh. Yeah, I like the Ghostbusters one. Uh, did you ever have anybody that that you knew had the the little cast? The not cast, the uh, the firehouse. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually had the whole Ninja Turtle like sewer one oh, for the Ninja Turtle ones. That's awesome. Yeah, I remember those. Good times. Yeah, always wanted that Castle Grayskull. Never, never got to the Castle Grayskull though. Same here. I don't think these are our toys. <laughs> no. But they were a huge influence for sure. Uh, Master Universe is a huge influence on Ooh, this movie. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, Gorgonite's complete fucking Master of the Universe toys toy line right there. I, well, but even like the design and everything of the the soldiers and the Ellie Commandos, it's still a very He Manish type of structure. That they were the ones that kind of like made that the norm in the mid eighties. Yeah, I think this would be a very different film if they were the size of the little GI Joes. Yeah, can you imagine this film if it, every character was like a Star Wars action figure from the seventies, <laughs> just like the little stick with the arms that. <laughs> No, no articulation points at all. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm out on that one. That that would change my opinion of this movie, unfortunately. It would almost be as bad as uh, the movie that we shall not talk about that we watched last week. Fuck yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> so the the introduction of the the shoulder ball ball articulation joint in the Masters of the Universe line is what made the design of this possible. So I want to thank our uh, esteemed podcast listeners and guests for joining us on this TED Talk about action figure design <laughs> <laughs> from the 80s, 90s, and today. Yeah, we went real deep in, into the figures, way more than I thought we would. I kind of want there to be like a documentary of how a toy is made. Maybe there probably is one. I think there's a documentary series called Yeah, yeah. How re- a Toy is Made. I'm realizing it now. Yeah. That there's actually, I know there's a weird action figure law, and I know Marvel like really skirted the fuck around it, where if importing like toys that are analogs of people are technically dolls, and Marvel had to go to court to technically say the X Men action figures aren't dolls because they're not humans, so technically they're action figures, but it's carried a lower tariff on imports. Absolutely fascinating. 
Well, speaking of lawsuits, did you guys know there was a huge lawsuit regarding this movie? No. Yes. Really? Yeah. This movie was sued hard. I'm not. I'm. I'm sure on different facets, but the biggest one was a guy named Gregory Grant uh, made a short film called uh, "Ode to GI Joe," and it centered around a troop of toy soldiers that he pitched uh, this film and did film festivals and everything to Alvin Studios, which is run by Steven Spielberg. In 1991, this film came out in 1998. Wow. Ooh, so we got like a Matrix Wachowski brothers type scenario happening here. Yes, indeed. Interesting. Mm. Steven Spielberg, I expect better from you. Yeah, what what really drove him to that point, man? You're killing great ideas out here, or I guess delaying them for a very long time. But maybe still Spielberg was just like two steps ahead because he's like, you know what? Mattel's never going to sign off on this shit. Mattel's never going to do it. But still, you like throw it back. Like, we're just going to change this up, motherfucker. That's it. We just got to take the G.I. Joe element out of it. You know what? I'm not mad at Spielberg. We're past it. The movie got made. It's okay. It's fine. And you got to give it to old Stevie Spielberg. He he was doing this movie, even though he was not directing because Joe Dante did, but he was producing this the same time he was doing Saving Private Ryan. So can you imagine the undertaking of just producing a movie and being as limited involvement as he would be to this during while he's shooting and directing Saving Private Ryan? I can't imagine that. So something that intensive that takes that kind of focus. <laughs> Absolutely. And like just that, that emotion change and yeah. stuff. This was his like his mental release. It's like driving a NASCAR and having to deliver Uber Eats at the same time. <laughs> Welcome to the future, baby. <laughs> I thought you could only turn left. <laughs> I'm not an ambitator. <laughs> no, I haven't seen this movie in a fucking hot minute. I'm not even going to lie. I remember this movie in like vagueness, like the hazy memories of childhood. Uh, see, and that's where I kind of am with it as well. I mean, I remember loving the shit out of it, and I remember certain elements and aspects, mainly just like the characters of it all. So, uh, more or less, I think I'm excited to revisit it because I think watching this today gives me that that true summer feeling I've been missing as an adult since since this is my episode i feel like i'm i'm being taken back to my childhood i'm having so many fond memories already we haven't even got to the movie i i think we're all gonna have a blast and i think there's gonna be some wild shit to talk about on the on the second half honestly this movie's kind of crazy yeah i haven't seen this movie in a long time either i don't know if i've seen it as an adult i don't think so so i'm really excited to watch it because i used to watch this movie all the time i didn't have the action figures though i'm kind of sad i didn't now sounds like i was missing out oh they were great and very articulate <laughs> it's that shoulder joint no. shoulder wall always joint. archer was fucking just blasting yeah th- those action figures were 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 tight that was definitely something that was really cool um and it it it, it, it fascinates me that the burger king partnered with this film because uh, I think that definitely backfired significantly on them, but uh, it was it was so fascinating because the movie was intended to be the studio pushed for a PG, but they had Joe Dante wanted to make it a dark you know dark comedy and end up being PG thirteen. So that kind of hurt I think the merchandise line, but all in all, still really looking forward to it. I mean, but you see why they would put that kind of trust into it. It's like, okay, this is the guy who did fucking Gremlins, and we got all these gizmo sucker fucking suction cup to fucking cars for 20 years. <laughs> like, if there's anybody that's going to be able to do a dark movie that appeals to kids and everybody, it's him. True. And I'm looking forward to this movie quite a bit, because I haven't seen this in 
probably over 20 years. My biggest thing, I think the difference between Gremlins and this was Chris Columbus was in charge over Gremlins versus this was Steven Spielberg. So I think that comes out a lot. And actually, I think really that helped the animatronics of this because uh, was it Stan Winston was the effects guru behind Jurassic Park animatronics, which is, you can definitely see that in this film. And this was, what year was this? This was in 1998. Yeah. Oh, this is 98. Yeah. So this is like five years or three years, four years past Jurassic Park. Yes, that was this, when this movie came out, it was at a point in which Toy Story had already come out and uh, DreamWorks was actually struggling when this movie was coming out. So Spielberg hadn't done anything else oh, since, uh, well, he was working on, you know, Saving Private Ryan for like two, three years. Mm-hmm. And then they were working on this film as well, but uh, as well as some other projects. But it wasn't, it wasn't a hit yet. DreamWorks was still struggling. We're, we were, we're pre-Shrek. Yes. We're pre-Shrek oh, yeah. DreamWorks oh, yeah. right now. Just, Just barely. By a little bit, yeah. Now, I too have not seen this movie in a fucking long time. I'm excited to watch it through like the lens of today to see, you know, obviously there's people in this movie that we haven't seen in a long time, like, you know, Phil Hartman, fucking R.I.P., Tommy Lee Jones, probably at the prime of Tommy Lee Jonesing. Like, this is like Fugitive Era Tommy Lee Jones, oh, yeah, where definitely. it's like just him yelling a couple of fucking lines about outhouses, hen houses, and poor houses. Poor houses. Whorehouses, best little whorehouses in Texas, is going to get, like, at least in the trailer. You know, they weren't the original voice uh, pitch for this film. Really? They wanted the original pitch for this that Joe Dante pitched to the studio was to have the voices of, if not similar to, the original cast of Predator. And as have Arnold Schwarzenegger as the lead. As the chip? Yep. I could see that. I could see it, but I don't. I don't need it in in this instance. I I kind of really like Tommy Lee Jones in this role. Maybe one of my favorite roles of his. That's probably just like the childhood nostalgia kicking in. But I. Oh, but then you do get some Carl Weathers fucking Gorgonite. That that's something else right there. That that would be beautiful. Carl Weathers as Archer. I could be into that. I, I could definitely be into that. We also have uh, Kristen Dunst in this. Little kid. Oh yeah, little yeah, Kirsten Dunst. One of her yeah. earlier roles, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, just 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 out of her vampire age. <laughs> and Jumanji. And Jumanji. She lived. Some solid films in a row, for sure. Honestly, yeah. For, especially for the start. Nah, I'm really hoping that this movie holds up. It is one of the movies from the nineties. And as purveyors of nineties movies throughout this show we do know what happens sometimes in 90s movies and i'm really hoping that this one like i said i haven't seen it in such a long time i'm really hoping it doesn't like have the 90s painted all over it yeah i don't i don't really think it will i don't i don't know why i don't know if it's just like what i'm thinking or what i'm like kind of remembering or just hoping for (laughs) i i think it's still gonna hold up and be fine I think what I'm really curious about this movie, since I haven't seen it in so long, is some of these films that uh, were made, you know, at this time, have kind of predicted what would happen with technology, business, and even toys in the future. I wonder what is going to be kind of relate to currently. Mm, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely going to be a lot of parallels to things we are living out potentially. <laughs> That's kind of scary, honestly. Yeah, we have been going through a series of prophetic movies with Super Mario Brothers. 
was this planned? Is there a soft rollout to just kind of acclimate us to the current climate? <laughs> this this whole thing, the entire summer days programming block, is just a secret conspiracy theory that I'm sucking you guys into about all these movies, and we're gonna go start a cult where we just watch movies all the day, day long, all the live long day, and drink Kool Aid. And drink, no, no, no. <laughs> Wait a minute! I was told not to drink the Kool Aid. No, Wooly Popcorn, because it's a movie cult. <laughs> gotcha. But we'll, but we'll like, interpret the, the prophecies of the movies. I mean, what? where do I give my blood to make my sacrifice and join? I mean, we do have some Tom Cruise cake coming. Fuck yeah. Yeah, we do. Yeah, on the topic of cults, uh, Stormy, uh, <laughs> her famous Tom Cruise cake for Chaz's arrival. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Do we get to call that call it that Snort's famous Tom Cruise cake? Because this yeah. is the third time I've made it now. So like I get to add my name to it now, right? Yeah, it's your sig- <laughs> it's his, it's your signature Tom Cruise cake. <laughs> okay. It's like when McDonald's puts their logo after Coca Cola. Yeah. Yeah. Same yeah, thing. yeah. It's your interpretation of the Tom Cruise cake. And it's pretty fucking great. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, so we're gonna be eating too much sweets and watching a movie about toys. Sounds like summer days. I miss those days. And smoking a lot of weed? Of course. Of course. That was just a given. Okay, well, let's wrap this up so we can watch the movie and eat cake. You can have your podcast and eat your cake, too. Something doesn't get something like that. I think that's exactly how it is. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not going to fight that assessment. All right. Well, at Snort's Decree, (laughs) we are going to watch Small Soldiers and eat some fucking Snort's Famous Tom Cruise cake. Sounds great to me. All right. Hell's you know. Hell's you know. And now, our feature presentation. John found the movie. Snort made the Tom Cruise cake. And we're back. And we just watched Small Soldiers. What is this movie good for? Absolutely everything guys i had an absolute joyous time watching this it's like the childhood came flooding back i couldn't stop smiling this was almost a better watch than when i was just a little tyke i'm gonna agree with you there i think like not seeing this and being able to see it in the context of me knowing more about movies than when i first watched this made this a more enjoyable experience Maybe maybe that's what it is. The movie knowledge is bigger and better. The references are understood a little bit more. I also agree completely. This movie's way better than I remember it being. Like, it's a good movie. I think people are sleeping on small soldiers. Wow. I have uh, one question. Are you on the crank? <laughs> this is great. It was... Yeah, I, I agree with Dan, especially because I haven't watched it in so long. It probably was since it, maybe right after it came out in VHS or DVD, whatever time it was. But it uh, makes me want to go play with my G.I. Joes that I don't have. <laughs> no, absolute delight from start to finish. But to start this movie, we do get introduced to our evil fucking corporation, the, the, the Globotex. Taking over the world. Evil fucking capitalism. And under the thumb of the evil capitalism we've got our two toy designers that we meet and you got david cross who somehow in 95 looks balder than like now later 
I think his beard grew into his head. <laughs> and Jay Moore just in the most 90s Jay Moore suit that Jay Moore ever fucking Jay Moored. You know, he looks really familiar, but I can't tell you anything I've seen him in. But anything I think I've, like, I picture him, I picture him in a suit like that. Like, I think that's just what he wears. <laughs> that's just the full Jay Moore costume. Yeah, that's his uniform. If Spirit Halloween had a Jay Moore... It'd be an oversized 90s men's suit. Yeah. In the SNL Writers Got Fired uh, gallery is what that would be. <laughs> <Yeah. under. laughs> Fired late night <laughs> sketch writer. Nice. And he'd be like doing like a shrug. <laughs> well, they're toy designers and they got bought over by, by the evil Globotech Corporation. And they've got all these great ideas for the, these toys. And they got to pitch these ideas to the guy that owns the Globotech, the, the CEO. Mr. Dennis Leary. And this guy's an asshole. Uh, this guy is just strictly money all the time. That's the only thing that matters in the world. Very relevant, though, in, in today's time still, unfortunately. Yeah, Dennis Leary definitely playing a role he was born to play, and I'm sure he really relished in this role, for sure. Yeah, he definitely was born to play this role at least 70 or 80 times in his fucking career. <laughs> he was honestly in it a lot less... Then I remembered too, but still impactful nonetheless. Yeah, he really just like opens and closes the movie. Yeah, he's the the bookend. Yeah. He's like the narrator, the narrator of capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're pitching to Dennis Leary and they're like, okay, David Cross is like, oh, I have these soft uh, fucking avatar, fucking flight of the navigator looking fucking things. They're called Gorgonites. And then Jay Moore being the, the little like fucking sleazy Jay Moore that he is, he's like... I got these fucking army guys. And then Dennis Leary's like, make them fight each other. Step up your fucking game. And then he goes into a little like Dennis Leary fucking stand up fucking bit for like 45 seconds. And he gives them an ultimatum like, bitches, you got three months to make these things fucking good. With like military superpowers. Here's the password. Yeah. Yeah. And it's gizmo. Nice, nice little touch there, Mr. Dante. Nice little throwback. I did, as we were watching this movie, I got so many Gremlins vibes watching it. Yeah, yeah. And was it just me or the town? Because I'm sure it was shot on Universe a lot. Reminded me of the Gremlins set, but without snow, and it was daytime. Yeah, it was like anti-Gremlins. Like, instead of all the Gremlins, just like, they're all like talking and just saying like 80s catchphrases. Well, and especially that one... Gorgonite really sounded like a gremlin. Yeah. Yeah, there there was a lot of gremlin going on. Even when you start looking at, like, you know, Archer as the gizmo, that's the same type of, like, little gizmo-y, Billy type mm. of relationship-y. Yeah. Got the little mogwai. Really He's just a little mogwai man. So, yeah, but Jay Moore, he orders some, like, military-grade processor units from the military. And then he laser 3D prints all these fucking toys in three months. And he, he makes his quota and shit. And they're, they're little Terminators. They're just little Terminator machines. Essentially. Yeah, but I love the scene. like, And I think it's like when it's going through the cast and everything of when it's showing like them being made and stuff. What a great scene. Uh, very, very cool. I was super into it. Yeah. Straight out of a History Channel fucking how it's made fucking special. <laughs> But now here's where we move on to our hero of the movie, fucking Alan. Now shut up. 
<laughs> fucking Toy Story kid. And he is a slave to capitalism. Pretty much. Like literally and figuratively. Because he has to work at the toy store. And you know what every kid fucking hates? Being at a toy store all day. Oh. Kids dream. Yeah, yeah. Let's feel sorry for this kid. Uh, to be fair, I mean, the toy store seemed like it was just a little behind on its toys. Yeah, they don't do the cool toys there. Yeah, it was a little FAO Schwartz and a little less uh, fucking Jeffrey the fucking gi- giraffe. <laughs> yeah, a lot of uh, Santa's workshop vibes in that store for sure. <laughs> some wooden uh, materials. Yeah, there's some elves fucking chained up the back <laughs> fucking stage. <laughs> Hey, I saw Paddington Bear, though. <laughs> oh, Paddington. Yeah. But this kid's, like, fully in charge of the store, so he's, like, accepting the delivery from Mr. Fetterman from Gremlins. I was trying to figure out where oh, I knew him. Oh, mm-hmm. he was in Gremlins, huh? And Mr. Fetterman's giving him his, like, his lame-ass fucking toys that his dad ordered. And the kid's like, hey, what, what the fuck's that? And this kid is like learning the system. He's already trying to swindle and take over the business. He's trying to undercut pops. Yo, this kid is going full fucking soprano, all right? <laughs> yeah. Yo, can you make it fall off the back of a truck? How about it, huh? I'm uh, called Johnny Gorgonzola. Get some Parmesan on your ass. Yeah, there's definitely a prequel to this uh, kid's story that I think is uh, could be very dark. Yeah. <laughs> It it honestly starts to make sense why I'm such a big um, Gorgonite fan is because of the Gorgonzola in me. I think this this was a nice little little tidbit to catch up on it's this the time. Gorgon around. family heritage. <laughs> <laughs> so Fetterman's like, all right, here you can take these toys. Uh, fucking here's some giant fucking billboards of them. Yeah, he just like gave him almost like all the stock. He's like, no one will notice. I'll just, I'll fucking, I'll sh- miss some paperwork. It's not a big deal. Breaking laws, my man. Hey, this kid's a fucking pusher. I just don't understand how Little Island has that much influence over this truck driver. <laughs> well, Little Island takes this stuff inside and he starts like doing an unboxing video before YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's it for sure. <laughs> And, like, what? Okay, so they say it later on, but the whole time I'm wondering, like, what's the retail on these things? Yeah, I was thinking, like, present day, it's got to be $100 without the chips. I mean, more than $100 present day. Like, this thing's got to be fucking, like, of the time technology-wise. You're talking, like, the Apple VR fucking headset type shit. Mm -hmm. Like, this is a motherfucking Oculus Rift of toys. This is something that no nine-year-old should own. Well, yeah, it's like a nuclear weapon (laughs) It's sentient. <laughs> it's fucking sentient. And they say later on it was like 80 bucks, which, you know, in fucking minimum wage 1995 <laughs> time compared to minimum wage now time is like 85 bucks. But that's only a little bit cheaper than a good guy doll. Which one are you going to buy? Yeah, I think it's about 90 bucks. Is that right? Yeah, I think they were like $90, 90 mm-hmm. or 100 yeah. Yeah, yeah, unless you got them from a homeless person in an alley. Then it was like 30 bucks. No big deal. But this is about the time that Kirsten Dunst comes into the picture because she's dragging around her little shithead fucking brother because it's his birthday. And I, I don't know. I had a little bit of a problem like watching this at this point. What was wrong? I don't know. Something for me, when I watch movies with like weird teenage romance stuff, 
it just feels weird to like because you're not rooting for anybody. You're not rooting for these two 13-year-olds to fucking make out. That's really weird. It's the, like, who's it appealing to? Like, there's a certain age group, maybe between, like, 11 and 14, that that is for. Before that, it's like, ew, that's icky. And after that, it's like, ew, that's icky. So there's a lot more pieces later on into the movie that I think this plays into. But watching the movie this time, it's... Definitely like surface level, a quote unquote boy movie, but I think there's a lot of aspects that make it like a quote unquote girl movie. Like Kirsten Dunst's the boss ass bitch. That, um, our Spice Girl song that pops up in a <laughs> yes. really badass scene. And then you have all like the Barbies and stuff. Yeah. And there then, was some good Barbie representation in this. Yes. Film. And then with the, like the love story, you know, I think maybe that's what it is. They, they tread the like line to being. Gender inclusive, very well. Hmm. Fair point. But we find out that Kirsten Dunst and fucking Alan are backyard neighbors in this scene. And in the next scene, we meet uh, fucking Kirsten Dunst's dad, Mr. Phil Hartman, playing the character of Phil so he doesn't get confused. (laughs) (laughs) Just what an absolute delight in this movie. Another person who wasn't in it as much as I thought, but was just stealing scenes left and right. Yeah, anytime Phil Hartman uh, shows up in, in, in a film, it was always it was much much like a John Candy in a way. It's like you know every scene he's in, whether he's the antagonist, protagonist, supporting, he's always just going to be gold. And he makes everybody else better. Oh, 100%. Well, he's a real techie in this movie. Yeah, he's also a real fucking dick. Yeah. Because he is ready to fucking chop down the tree of the dad from Transformers because it's hanging over his fucking yard. Yeah, this this uh, this Phil could have easily been the same one from Jingle All the Way before his wife left him. <laughs> it makes sense. I, th- I think it falls in the universe. I don't know. I could definitely see like Phil Hartman being a real dick and cutting down somebody's tree that's hanging over his yard after he's nicely angrily told them three times to trim that motherfucker. <laughs> But Alan's father, he's on his way to the airport for a big airport meeting somewhere. I don't know. It's not really like, is is it ever defined like where he's off to? Just like he needs to leave the plot for a little bit and I'll be back later when I'm necessary. And what meeting happens at the airport that fast? <laughs> like he was, he left in the beginning and then, and it was back by the end of the day. There's a goddamn wooden toy emergency. This man's been working very closely with the fucking Santa uh, industries folks and the sleigh has broken down at Dulles. He's got to fucking head over there. <laughs> Turn it around right now and help get this thing back in the air. Otherwise he's not going to get his wooden fucking toys <laughs> and his cloth dolls <laughs> that aren't going to fucking sell anyways. No, that nobody's fucking buying in this small town. So yes, Dan, this is essentially just a reason to fuck the store up. <laughs> But Alan being the good little fucking kid that he is, he runs home and he's like, I got your ticket. Don't miss your flight to, I don't know, the same airport. Maybe. <laughs> just went up, did a loop, talked on the plane, came back down. And his parents, just they, they're just giving him shit, you know. It's the year of our Dark Lord, 1995, and parents, they just don't understand at this point. All right, Will. <laughs> So he storms off upstairs to go log on to America Online. And inside his bag, there's fucking Archer. And he's like, what the fuck is this thing doing here? 
And then we cut back to the toy store. And Chip Hazard. Kapow. The our fucking our fucking hero of the movie. Well, really? Well I mean So okay, here's the thing. So he's definitely the villain of the movie, but he's a great leader. Like he honestly is like who I would look to in the battle of war. He really rallied the troops. He even in a moment of death was was kind of sweet. He understood the peril of war, but he still fucking kind of sucked at the same time. Yeah, but he was just doing like what he was programmed to do, and he did what he was programmed to do like pretty fucking good. I'm going to argue that Chip Hazard was definitely middle management. If the antagonist was <laughs> Dennis Leary and the corporation, yep, yep. Chip Hazard is just middle management That's... doing the job he was put on there to do. Wow. The, the evil in this movie is Dennis Leary, capitalism, and Ronald goddamn Reagan. Wow. <laughs> Miracle. Fuck yeah. So is the truck driver essentially the hero then for like kind of letting the cat out of the bag early? No, Alan's the hero for calling the company but, and saying, I'm going to sue you. But it wouldn't have ever happened if the truck driver didn't say, oh, they fell off. You know what I'm saying? No, that's just by <laughs> that just happened. Everything happens for a reason. No. But Chip Hazard, so he's putting a squad together, right? He's like un- doing his own fucking unboxing video, getting all these fucking other small soldiers, that's the name of the movie, out of the boxes. <laughs> you did the thing. <laughs> I did the thing. And just basically, you know, fucking raging some ethnic cleansing against the Gorgonites. It's typically how war goes, I think. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into the war crimes <laughs> of Major Chip Hazard in this film. Because the Geneva Convention is not going to be taking it lightly <laughs> on this guy. Archer, meanwhile, he's watching Alan sleep because, you know. That's what our toys do in our dolls when we are asleep. Just Yeah, they're just awake while looking at us the whole time. And then he goes on Wikipedia to go learn about the world. Like he's fucking Mila Jovovich in the Fifth Element. <laughs> At least he uses his intelligence for somewhat good. He's trying to learn about his race, unlike fucking Chip Hazard. Like, fuck it, we have to kill everything. This was pre Google. <laughs> if he had gone to Google and typed in Gorgonites and gotten zero results, he'd be really fucking confused. <laughs> Buy Gorgonites now? Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah, and what intelligence? Because why, why are the Gorgonites not smart and the commandos can do everything? Because of the programming? But why the fuck? It's just dumb. Well, it's because, like Dennis Leary says, he's like, the commandos have to win. That's just how it is, essentially. The Gorgonites suck. They're they're the monsters. Mm. So basically, their programming is their preordained story. The AI takes over for the, the gaps. See, you've been polluted by the Avatars and the James Cameron. The military is the goddamn hero in the 1990s. <laughs> The G.I. Joes are the fucking hero. All that's happening is you're getting brainwashed via Chip Hazard. America. That's all it is. Fuck yeah. I like the Gorgonites more. Yeah, they got a they got a chiller vibe. So Alan wakes up and he sees Archer and he's like, What the fuck are you doing on my computer? Don't click on that folder. Some of vi- don't download viruses. Don't 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 download viruses. I'm pretty sure when he opened it up I saw a punter. Like, punters used to be these programs on America Online where you would be able to, like, fuck with somebody through their instant messages. 
it had a very specific aesthetic look to it. And I pretty sure I clocked it there. Windows 3.1. That sounds like something Alan would have on his computer. Yeah, he seems like that little kind of kid. Yeah, he was. He got what? Kicked out of like two or ten schools. Two fucking schools. Alan's a little badass. <laughs> I got a note for that. Kick out of two schools? Fucking delinquent? How can I root for this person? Just a domino effect. Once you once you uh, put some, someone in that hole, it's hard for them to dig out. <laughs> it's hard to get out of the system once you're in there. The note I had is, Alan burned out his school? I don't really know if that's actually true or not. Uh, did he actually burn the school down? I think it's just a badass story because Alan seems a little bit like a pussy. And he's just kind of like, yeah, I fucking did that, but not really. Yeah, he's he's going to let everyone else create the story for him and then just take the credit for it. That's smart because, yeah, when Kirsten Dunst goes up, she's like, you got kicked out of 10? Like, that's that's a lot of fucking schools get kicked out yeah. of. That's quite the, the tale to be telling. Yeah, that kid should be working for DC's marketing for sure. <laughs> So Alan wakes up and he kind of like puts Archer through this little like fucking test to find out like, oh, you're alive. We get a scene of Patton with Chip Hazard, a fucking pure Patton reference. And that got me thinking like, what's this? Who's this movie for? Like you got a 13 year old love story and you got a reference to a movie that was made 22 fucking years earlier. It's for everybody? Yeah, it's for everyone. No, no. See, this is this is like where, where the DreamWorks hadn't figured out the Shrek of it all yet, where it's like you make it for the little kids and you make it for the grown-ups because those are the two that go to the movie together. Yeah, definitely. I think you're definitely onto something because when they changed the route of the direction they were going with the film and the narrative, I think they went, uh, especially when they got like Tommy Lee Jones, they went more of a, a Dirty Dozen approach to this film. Mm, yeah. They lean too hard into like the older kids aspect, not like young kids. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a movie, and Gremlins is from the same time of where like you know, ten year old, twelve year old, fifteen year old kids are still going to the movies with their parents and shit. Mm. That that ain't happening in nineteen ninety five, man. No. You cut that bitch off at twelve. <laughs> I ain't going to the movie with my parents anymore. Fuck that nonsense. Drop me the fuck <laughs> off. Yeah, so Alan and Archer, they go to the shop and the next day and they find out that all the toys are missing. Everybody's out of their boxes. The fucking juice is fucking loose. He didn't really seem that concerned, though. Like, there didn't seem like a lot of urgency. Or like, oh my god, the toys are alive, you know? He was just like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Toys are alive. Close the nook for the day. <laughs> Short day. But he can't close completely because Kirsten Dunst has to come over to buy the the thing that's missing, the Chip Hazard doll, and that's where we found out that Alan was kicked out of two schools. I mean, people. Some people say ten. Some people say two. Some people say he fucking lit the school on fire. Some people say he was framed. Like we don't know what's going on in this day and age of information. It's all hearsay at this point. But what's not hearsay is oh shit, fucking dad's home from his. Uh, quick flight to the airport and he is mad at Alan and Kirsten Dunn's she like absconds with the fucking Gorgonite doll and runs out the fucking thing and then goes outside and gives it back to Alan and then fucking takes off with her too old for her boyfriend yeah yeah something seems a little off there <laughs> yeah if she's supposed to be playing a 13 14 year old I mean easily he's got I mean he's got a driver's license of some sort so he's 16 maybe even 17 yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, this, this guy's on his way to college next year. 
was fit, which actually sadly fits the 90s. Yeah, yeah. very much yeah. so. But Alan, he's on his way home on his bicycle because he doesn't have a driver's license because he's only like a 13-year-old kid now. And the fucking, the, the commando elites, they're, they're predator hunting him. They're hunting him down because he's got the Gorgonite. And Gorgonite is not friend. Gorgonite is apparently foe. So one of the elites, this dude, the fucking bazooka, because it's American Gladiators. He jumps onto fucking Alan's bike. And the CG in this movie overall, I didn't have a problem with, for the most part. I don't think that I did either, honestly. I, I do think the version we watched was maybe remastered a little bit and touched up. But, I mean, it kind of just fit the tone of the movie, I guess. Normally I'm not into it, but I thought it worked. Yeah, I agree. The There's one like really weird specific thing that I really, really enjoyed about this movie. And it makes it like really different than Toy Story, which I feel like this scene really reminded me of like the end of the first Toy Story movie. But in Toy Story, like they're toys, but their facial expressions change so much whenever they're like alive. But in this movie, like their facial expressions are the same and like their voice levels are the exact same like the whole time. Just like they're real toys that are alive. I just think it makes it so much fun here. Yeah. It's it's easier to buy into the the fucking fact that these toys are alive because they're alive like toys would be alive if toys was alive. It's a very realistic approach. I respect yeah. it. And I think that just definitely like you know them using that what the advancements from Jurassic Park to incorporate into this movie that the blending of CG and uh, you know at those that that puppetry right 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 really well I think really blended well so I think that was definitely a plus and you, there's you know there's some scenes that you can definitely tell they they shot one and then they played like a projection on the back but I think for the overall it was definitely very very well done yeah my my favorite parts of this movie is where you've got like like in the bike chase scene where this thing is like fucking like dancing on the chain and like running and fucking climbing up this bike and then you get a shot of the actual puppet and it's just this thing that's just kind of like zip tied yeah. to the bike just at the whim of actual physics <laughs> and not in a bad way it's in a it's in a like endearing way it's like the effort is there so you appreciate it you know and you can get past any like little ugliness <laughs> Yeah, but when Alan call, comes home, he calls fucking customer support, and he's like, hey, I got a problem with these fucking things, and they're like, no, no you don't. I mean, wouldn't you be the same way if some kid called you complaining about his toys? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't blame her. <laughs> not at all. I would be over that conversation so quickly. Well, that, even the, the lady taking the call seemed like the most, like, over-the-top, passive-aggressive, kind of like, hi, what can I do for you? Oh, that's so sad. I am so sorry. Let me transfer you. Right on the money with that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you could have another career. No, I've been down that path once. <laughs> Never again. The worst job of my life. Yeah, but back at fucking Global Force headquarters, you've got Jay Moore, and he's at the launch announcement with Dennis Leary uh, launching the new line of toys. And David Cross, though, he's he's getting into the fucking files. He's getting into the computer. And he's got this voicemail that he got from the kid, from the Allen. And he's like, oh, shit, this is not good. Which is honestly pretty impressive because 
typically in the situation, you leave a message like that, you're not going to get a response. They're going to be like, ah, fuck it. Like you said, just a little kid. Especially in the 90s, that would definitely got deleted. By yeah. Somebody. yeah, I'm surprised you paid attention to it at all. Yeah, well, they did because David Cross like starts questioning Jay Moore and he's like, dude, what the fuck is going on? Where'd you get this shit? Oh, I ordered some fucking military microchips on your Amazon account. Yeah, what a <laughs> fucking dickhead. I just, it is kind of funny how easy it was, though, to essentially purchase a mass fucking faulty little thing for your toys here. The military was like, yeah, they're fine. Take them. Well, I mean, when you're a fucking global contractor like Global Force, like, I'm sure that they're also building fucking, like, cruise missiles Uh, and fucking basketballs and whatever else anybody ever needs. It's their Walmart. And they had the password. They don't care. You have the password. You're safe. Yeah, surely it's fine. It's not fine, and don't call me, Shirley. Mm, I missed it. But back in the house, Archer's, like, walking around at night because, I don't know, Andy's not there. Alan? This isn't Toy Story. Uh, (laughs) Or Chucky. (laughs) God damn it. But Archer hears something, and he gets ambushed and captured by the commandos, and Alan, like, wakes up or whatever to go into the kitchen, and while he's going to the kitchen, the, they're they're interrogating him. So, like they're they're torturing Archer, right? Essentially, yes. Like they're gonna yeah. execute him when we see him. But like before that, sink. I'm sure there was like full fucking like paper cuts between the fingers type shit. Like uh, waterboarding, maybe the the finger cut. That's the worst. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm surprised they didn't do waterboarding because it's right there with the, the sink being there, and he's upside down already. So yeah, why not? But. Yeah, it does seem like there was definitely some dialogue going on where, you know, where are your people, where are the Gorgonites, so. And once again, let's not forget, they were programmed to act this way. Kind of messed up. That's all I'm going to say. Well, that's the thing. I don't think they're programmed specifically to act this way. I think they're just programmed to to play the character of America. And crush all the competitors, yeah. Yeah, and... Like, I don't think anybody wrote, like, a whole story of, like, hey, if you get this Gorgonite, make sure you hang him over the dish fucking disposal. No, they're they're just, like, it's just baseline coded and they're just put into the world. They're just, like, you hate these things. And what you do with your hate is your choice. These things have free will. That's what they always tell you. (laughs) Are we still talking about the movie? (laughs) Oh, no, we're getting philosophical with this motherfucker. (laughs) So Alan rescues Archer, and he tries telling his mom and dad that these all these toys are fucking alive. But again, it's 1995, and parents, they just, they don't understand. Who's going to believe you? I mean, I wouldn't. Uh, yeah, to be fair, I wouldn't either. But Archer and Alan know what they got to do. They got to get all the Gorgonites together. They got to collect them all. They got to get all the fucking Pokemon together to help to help defend themselves against the Commando Elites. And Chip, pretty much the fucking opposite side of the same coin, he's out there with his troops and he's rallying them and like, all right, guys, come on, we need to we need to fucking eradicate the species of Gorgonites. Getting some weaponization going on in the garage, getting using all the maximum potential of those tools for sure. Uh, these little buggers are very very innovative. It is it is wild the creations they begin to come up with. That made me think that it would be. Uh... If they made like a a sequel or like a remake of this now, I thought I was like, dang, it'd be cool to see like what would the 
what would they use now from households? Like updated? To make to make their robot wars? Yeah. Well, there'd be a lot of Roombas kind of turn into demonic. Yeah. You have like an Alexa somewhere. <laughs> it feels like that's happened in a movie. Alexa, play Ride of the Valkyries. <laughs> and during all this, Phil Hartman uh, gets to do a little fucking like song and dance with the most fucking underwhelming television reveal I've ever seen in my life. This 35-inch screen. <laughs> This might have been the funniest moment in the movie for me. Like, sound system, fucking slap, and don't get me wrong. The fucking monitor, not even a, not like not even one of the big, like, back projection fucking 55-inch fucking, like, monster TVs. This is just a standard <laughs> fucking 36-inch CRT 4-3 aspect ratio. Nothing special. Like you said, though, he got that JVC sound system, so that's, that's what we're here for. But Chip Hazard isn't fucking down with that because here's where we get the first of many Commando Elite fucking war crimes. Because it is a war crime against the Geneva Convention to use poison in an enemy combatant's water supply. And he is just fucking Kobe Bryanting fucking sleeping pills into this lady's drink. You mean... Phil Cosby? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I put the jello in the pudding. <laughs> I feel forever unclean. <sighs> I definitely feel like this part of the movie, um, I be- uh, from what I'm, I'm understanding, this is one of the major scenes that for sure definitely got them that PG-13 rating. Yeah, get- getting the mom bombed out on fucking sleeping pills through the, the last half of the movie. Definitely pushes this past <laughs> Shrek territory. But that's the thing is uh, maybe it's bad to, to view it in the scope because this is where the war crimes do begin. You're correct, Dan. But this is where the movie just like kicks into overdrive. The first half is fantastic. The buildup is great. We're intertwining lots of different characters and stories. But when the wars begin, like, oh, my God, this is like a whole nother tier of movie for me. Yeah, if it's like Full Metal Jacket. When <laughs> but with toys. To switch out of, out of boot camp to Nam. Now there's a sequel idea. <laughs> or Apocalypse Now. Ooh. Uh, okay, well, I have a different movie that I feel like it's like, for one specific scene that's coming up, Mad Max. Oh, oh that, does go that's full a good Mad one. Max. Yeah, it, it does at a point. But right now we're at our, our second, our second uh, fucking war crime because uh, Chip Hazard and the... Elite commandos, Chief Hazard and the Elite Commando group uh, kidnap a child. Yeah, wrap him up. <laughs> a civilian non-combatant, hogtied. Mm-hmm. For some reason, this also felt like a, a reason to nudge it in the PG thirteen area for me. It was pretty cool. You don't, well. yeah, you don't normally see a kid hogtied <laughs> in a movie. And after you do something like that, after you get you know a fucking a big W in your column. Feeling good about yourselves, the elite commandos. They're they're feeling in a celebratory mood, <laughs> and these are some horny fucking toys. <laughs> and there's a fucking shelf full of Barbie dolls. Yeah, they get real just <laughs> with them. Yeah, again, who is this movie for? And let me say that they get like that with them before 
the Barbies like are alive and can consent to anything. <laughs> yeah, this is non-consensual toys. The, these other things are not sentient. Well, I guess that that, that's, that would just make them sex dolls. They're sex toys at that point. Because mm. the, the 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 EC, they're they're sentient beings. Who is like you or me? Those are just dolls for sex I, dolls. I feel like this is a conversation the Supreme Court would have. And <laughs> I'm going to say they're going to go in favor of Dan, based on the current track record. But it's okay because Chip Hazard comes out and he shuts this shit down immediately. He's like, boys, we got to focus on the task at hand. And the task at hand's war crimes right now. Eyes on the prize, boys. Because we got to commit some fucking atrocities and fucking do some experimental fucking torture on these fucking Barbie dolls and bring them to life. The the Frankenstein of this all is just so fantastic. It is so over the top, but so amazing. Yeah, I love whatever they change and everything and turn all badass. One thing I do wish, though, and once again, we go to who is this movie made for? Why the fuck were they naked the whole time? Like, why couldn't they, like, have fun outfits or have, like, kept... I would There was a Jackie O. Barbie. I would have liked to see Jackie O. Barbie, like, with a knife fucking threatening to stab someone, not a naked Barbie, you know? It's definitely told through the male toy gaze. Yeah. It was... Ugh. Missed opportunity for fun costumes. They definitely could have put that chip instead of in the front. They could have put it, you know, behind the head. That would have made a lot more sense. Yeah, like all the other male toys, but okay. <laughs> and honestly, probably for purposes of if they spent a lot of money on the motion capture, it's a lot easier to duplicate a nude character versus different outfits accessorized. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Goddamn jazz getting practical on us for the reasons. That would be the first thing I would look at is the budget. I'm like, okay, we can cut this, cut this. We can make that 10 times cheaper. Let's throw the rings of this shit and get out. Jazz is literally over your armchair fucking producing this fucking. <laughs> well, now, now we're just mad they saved a little money, I guess. Damn it. But then Kirsten Dunn, she's back at her fucking room. And this is where we get the fucking Barbie movie that we deserve. Because these fucking nightmares out of fucking Sid's fucking basement come for her. Okay, I will say it's a cool scene, but not the fucking Barbie movie we deserve. Fuck you. What is wrong with you? But back to Alan and all all the Gorgon Gorgonites. They are like all over there and they're bonding and they're becoming friends. And all of a sudden through the window, they get a fucking VHS tape. Blockbuster fucking delivery. <laughs> what is he on it? Surrender. <gasps> It's a fucking hostage tape. <laughs> it's a full <laughs> Taliban hostage tape pre-9-11. <laughs> With the ransom note on the outside says surrender and all. It's brilliant, though. It's absolutely brilliant. I, I thought it was missing, like, her blinking in Morse code or something <laughs> for him to figure out. Yeah, Kirsten Dunst is on the, the hostage tape, and if they don't give her a million dollars, the bus is going to explode if it goes under 50 miles an hour. What kind of thoughts run through your head if you end up having to make a hostage tape and the people who are forcing you to do it are fucking toys? That's that's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, so surrender the fucking enemy combatants and nobody gets hurt. <laughs> Using civilians as hostages and threatening to execute them. War crime. Yeah, and you said this guy was our hero at the beginning of this. Let me just remind you of that. Well, because America, 
You don't think America has not done all these war crimes? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> They're just saying the things nobody's talking about. It's false soldiers. I'm just saying I think hero is a strong word in conversation. But uh, there's also a lot of just like mixed messages as a whole because also in uh, Kirsten Dunn's room, there's like a, a poster pretty blatantly like against war and especially like having kids involved. Like... I think it's just playing both sides. It legitimately is. Well, somebody else is playing both sides is Alan because he's like, okay, I'm going to pretend to fucking like give up the give up the hostages. So he has this box and he labels it Gorgonites and drops it off like the fucking Trojan fucking horse. And then he fucking takes Archer and Tom Cruise's ass into the fucking chimney with a rocket ship and a parachute. Did Did he do anything? Did I take a little nap at some point? Did Archer do anything when he went inside, or did he just run back out with Alan later? No, I think they all, all the Gorgonites were hiding, like in the cup, the, the cupboard, the cabinet thing. Yeah, well, when, uh, when he parachuted in, I believe he just unlocked the door. Oh, okay, he was, was he, oh, yeah. he was the, he was the inside man for the, for he, the infiltration. He, yes, he was the Trojan horse. So he did that and then hid with yeah. his buddies. It was a distraction. But Alan breaks in and saves Kirsten Dunst, and they fight off uh, fucking hordes of fucking Barbie monsters. And the commandos, they're blowing up the box, and they find out, like, they've been fucking had. And they're not happy about this. And this is where we find out what war is good for. Because fucking, it starts fucking jamming. They bust out of the fucking garage like fucking Michael Keaton's Batmobile. Just a nice little toy shaped hole. See, that's a, I that's what I thought the Bad Max scene was. <laughs> I was just thinking of Team America World Police. Why? Why? So so you would react like that. It was a full like Michael Bay fucking chase sequence with these little fucking mishmashed together fucking toys, toy cars, robot warrior vehicles. Outfitted with nail guns, and the, it was it was a, it was a fun chase. And they sc- they scaled that down significantly to get to keep the PG rating because it was going to be more than that. What do you mean it was going to be more than what was? They had to be? Uh, they had way more uh, explosions. Um, uh, this, is, this is actually according to IMDb. They had more explosions in the movie, but they had to tone it down because they were scared they were going to get a heavier rating. Mm. Hmm. Because, I mean, obviously, they have, you know, sharp objects going out. I'm sure right. they, they cut some of that out as yeah, well. Yeah, those motherfuckers getting stabbed in this movie. <laughs> Blood, too. And that's a big thing. Yeah. Like, if this, if this was on TV, it'd easily be the, was it M, the MA, rated MA. Dang. It's funny, too, because I honestly kind of felt like there was a lot more explosions than anticipated. So, the fact that there was even more oh, yeah. on the cutting room floor, damn. Give them to me. Well, somebody that wasn't anticipating any explosions was Chip Hazard, because at the end of the fucking big chase sequence... All the fucking Chip Hazard elite commandos, they all, they're all blowed up. And Chip Hazard himself is dying in the fucking ditch. He's dying in a gutter. He's two-faced. Yeah. He's got full Aaron Ecker at this moment. But just when you think he's going to be dead... Hold on, I just realized. He's two-faced. Tommy Lee Jones played two-faced. Uh, ding, ding, ding. Look at that. <laughs> Sn- wow. Snort with the win. Yeah, I didn't even catch that. Damn. Wow, you went cut. Christian Bale. I did. I, I, I'm fucking embarrassed of myself. <laughs> you never go Bale. Wow. But he sees the fucking toy store, and this is where I'm like, all right, 
how much existential knowledge does Chip Hazard have of his existence? Because it's never discussed. Does he know he's a toy? It's definitely not a Buzz Lightyear situation to where he's ha- he has this, you know, this epiphany all of a sudden and he's, you know, like a crisis in his mind, own mind. It's definitely a very much either he gets, he figures it out really quick, really quickly, or he just knew. Yeah, it's almost like he kind of just understands like his position. Maybe he does, doesn't care what he is. He was sent out for this one objective to be a martyr, go win the war, and that's it. He's that mission oriented from his military training. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cuz like we didn't we never get the Buzz Lightyear moment. No, we really don't. We really don't. And like I said, I think he's just like a bootstrap kind of guy. Whatever you need, I got you. I'll do it. But you would think the Buzz Lightyear moment would happen when you're about to die and then all of a sudden you see a giant blow-up version of yourself rising above the fucking horizon and then a store filled with boxes of yourselves. But this is the first thought for him is reinforcements. We got a mission to finish. And wouldn't that giant version of yourself be the most practical, quickest way to make that alive and then <laughs> take on the humans? That's be my first thought. And just Ghostbusters that shit. Just turn his giant balloon version into he gets inside of it and is like controlling it. So while this is happening, Jay Moore and David Cross drop by because they just want to check on the possessed toys because they got they got your voicemail. And they're not as in awe as they should be about the sentience of these things, but you know, they don't understand science. They're they're toy salesmen. But that the, now it's time to sound the fucking gremlins alarm because the fucking house is under siege. <laughs> Because Chip Hazard and his new fucking backup dancers have showed up. To tell us what. Why? What we, what we really want. Oh, no. I was, I was going to go, really, really go <laughs> into nothing but a heartbreak. Because <laughs> this is where I got like the full Gremlins vibes. When they're cutting the power to the fucking building and they're like mm, fucking meandering yeah. through the yard. Da, 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 like, and you've got that, that soundtrack going like full like, okay. And I never would have picked that up seeing this when I was younger. Like, oh, this is a Gremlins movie just with action figures. Yeah, like all the neighbors getting pissed off and stuff. You know, like yeah, it just feels very Gremlinsy. It, it isn't it a miracle that no neighbors come out though. Shit's blowing up outside. I'll just we should <laughs> Honestly, stay inside. That's probably the most relatable thing to today. Yeah, yeah. yeah if you see no, something, I'm what? sorry. This homeowners association. This is a homeowners <laughs> association neighborhood. All right, you can't fucking leave your garbage cans out two hours past when the truck comes without getting a goddamn fine from <laughs> Shirley down the fucking block. All right, you've got propane <laughs> tanks exploding. Somebody is calling the private security guard to come by and call the police for them. <laughs> it hurts how accurate that is. I need to call somebody to call the police. <laughs> so Phil Hartman goes outside and he's he's like, all right, I've headed up to fucking here with this shit. I'm done. Toys. I'm going to go broker a peace deal with these things. And another war crime. He almost gets fucking flamethrowered. Can't use a flamethrower in combat, especially not on civilians. <laughs> Unless you're America in the Asian Pacific Theater in the 70s. Uh, t- t- Fuck yeah. I- <laughs> and then you've got your other war crime of them fucking Guantanamo Bay Spice Girling the fucking house. Fuck yeah. 
This movie is just all bangers all the time when it comes to the soundtrack. Definitely some great needle drops for sure. <laughs> and then we're going to go like a thousand years technologically back in uh, fucking military technology because now we're just using catapults and fucking fireballs and throwing flaming tennis balls at the house and this lady's going fucking Andre Agassi on them and sending them all back out. She really, you know, she really steps up because she kind of like starts navigating everybody on where to go and what to do. She took control of the situation. Oh yeah, no, she, the, she fucking went full mom mode and just yeah. fucking took this one over. Bumbling dads, just shut the fuck up and sit the <laughs> fuck back. I fucking got this. This is Thanksgiving, motherfuckers. It does definitely that that her her part does seem like a. There's more to her character story as well because she was dressed dressed in like it seemed like a the suit in the beginning like a flight attendant almost, and there's, it seems like there's a lot more to the mom's story than meets the eye. Yeah, that's a spinoff we need Netflix. Mm-hmm. We need to know yeah. what's going on with this mom. <laughs> kind of life does she live? The flight attendant series. So they figure out that the only way to shut these things down is to make a fucking EMP blast, and the only way to make an EMP blast is to make. Two Transformers fight because it's a Michael Bay movie. <laughs> like electrical Transformers on the on the power poles, not like Optimus Prime and a dinosaur. Understood. I, we knew. We knew. That was for everybody out there. I know <laughs> you guys knew you watched it. <laughs> you have context when I say Transformer. Yeah, I guess It's you a can't. movie about toys. <laughs> yeah. Transformers could have just randomly showed up in this. <laughs> So the humans stand off and they band together and they fight off the fucking EC and the Gorgonites who were essentially pussies up until the last 10 minutes of this movie finally come in to help them out a little bit. Look, the Gorgonites are just like a bunch of like hippies, you know, like make love, not war. Why? Why are we fighting? There's no reason for it. The, no, I see. I see it completely different. The Gorgonites are the Vatican during World War II. Oh. Not saying, hey, you. Fucking Chip Hazard, motherfucker, leave the humans alone. Stop doing that. That's a deep cut. Thank you. Cuts down right to the... the, the right, right down to the star, David. Right yeah, now. right yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fucking felt. Hey, was uh, World War II your guys' favorite war? <laughs> what the fuck was that kind of line? But you know, you know, you know for fucking fact that there's a lot of, especially older generation that love to say that. Oh, I know, I know. Or, Once again... Or the Civil War. Oh. Who the fuck says that? Who is this movie for? <laughs> Damn. So the Gorgonites help out, and we get a big fucking standoff on the power pole between Chip Hazard and Archer, but it's not really a big standoff because it's two action figures just smashing against each other. <laughs> not like Team America World Police, a little bit, <sighs> a little bit more intricate than that. While poor little Alan just kind of flails around up there in the probably the most unsafe environment anybody could be. Yeah, his dad was just like, yeah, climb that <laughs> powerful, kid. It's 1995. Jam a wrench between it. <laughs> Keep in mind, also, he's hanging from up there with rubber gloves yeah. on. <laughs> he's handling high-powered electricity with dishwashing gloves. Those are not rated for that. <laughs> Somebody call OSHA on this kid. He is being put into child fucking labor and in unsafe working conditions. <laughs> He's not been properly trained. 
Maybe maybe he's having to do all of this because he got kicked out of school twice. Maybe this is like his community service. <laughs> yeah, kid, you made us fucking move. Climb the pole. <laughs> what is what is uh our friend David Cross say in the very beginning of this movie? The real world sucks. Yeah. He might have been talking about the show on MTV, like it is nineteen ninety five. It was a bad season. The house was in disarray. <laughs> but Trip Chip ends up fucking like biting the fucking dust. And the movie ends, the EMP blast goes off and everything gets fried. Even the Gorgonites. Psych. And yeah, until until they're not. And then we get Dennis Leary coming back in to like wrap wrap this bitch up. And just throws money at every problem. The the most capitalism fucking th- oh you got a fucking problem here's a check oh you got a problem here's a check here's a check. Isn't that like the American way to a T though? Uh, I'm in distress. I'm suing. Uh, let's just figure this out now. Yeah, this whole movie's the American dream. Get attacked by sentient toys, and have a rich businessman just cut you a check for a lot of money. Yeah, he came to your your now defunct doorstep and gave you money. Like that's as good as it gets. I think. I think this is probably a closer realistic expectation to how to achieve the American dream <laughs> nowadays. Than just working hard and putting your nose to the grindstone. Just having some faulty product hurt you and get lucky suing the fuck out of somebody. So what you're saying is I just need to just like spam buy toys and hope that they have some sort of evil turn. Yeah, yeah. Hope hope you get a Chucky. <sighs> fuck. And survive, of course. That's an even bigger challenge. Just just lose a finger. Just one. Just one, one little finger. digit. That's it. But the Gorgonites, they end up being okay because they hid under the giant ass satellite dish and they're still alive and fucking Andy puts them all in a boat. Alan. Alan. Alan puts them all in a boat and they fucking sail away and that's the end of Small Soldiers. God, such a good ending. Just frame that shit. Hoorah. Well, well, shit, someone switched sides on us at the end. <laughs> nah, Gorgonites for life. So we talked a little bit about the, the sequel. Uh, there was potentially, uh, they had talked about doing a sequel for this film. What, what would you think would be the ideal sequel for this? Man, it's tough because I just, especially watching it this time around, I love it so much that I almost don't want a sequel. I feel like we ended it in such a good way. Well, it has to be like, what do the Gorgonites get up to? Where do they end up at? It could just be like a whole like Gorgonite village. Like it's actually real, but it's just mm-hmm. Gorgonite toys everywhere. It's like in a cave or something. I see it as like the second movie just takes place maybe like 15, 20 years in the future. Alan's all grown up and there is a fucking Skynet level fucking apocalypse happening with small soldiers just marching around as robot skeletons. Very Terminator style. Like Terminator, but the movie that Terminator was, but wasn't at the same time. I actually changed my mind of what I, well, a little more specific, what I think the sequel is. It's the Lord of the Rings trilogy. We're going trilogy now. But the Gorgonites. Their journey. Just like their adventure. Yeah. Yeah, I don't hate it. It's Avatar, isn't it? It's Avatar. They made it into Avatar. Well, that's what I was just kind of thinking as well. Is like, yeah, you could just like how in the second one you start exploring water people. We just need different types of toys. What's what's the next 
thing after like commando toys. That's like a threat. Oh, okay. A rubber ducky. I, I didn't think about toys. <laughs> okay, no. when when was this movie purported to be about to take place? Uh, but uh, ninety eight. So they might have started it in ninety five, but ninety eight was when they released it. Uh, this movie is just about yo-yos and pogs. What? Tamagotchis. Oh yeah, Tamagotchis Ooh. fighting each other. Can they pop out of like yeah. the little? Thing. Yeah, I mean, it could be Furbies. I was gonna, That's yeah. in the time. Oh, no. Small soldiers versus Furbies. <laughs> I got I got a take for you. The sequel has nothing to do with the first one. It's called Small Soldiers 2. But hey, Wait, it, wait. Is it T-O-O? Yes. <laughs> and it's like wrestling toys. Ooh. And it's made by WWE Films. Ooh, well, no. Wow. Half the budget. Half the budget? Yeah, just get a bunch of wrestlers to voice the characters. They already sound like, you know, that already. Are, are you pitching this to Vince right now? Is that what you're doing? Or whoever else is listening to WWE films <laughs> in Connecticut. I mean, we, we, or we New know, York. We or know, or Saudi know, Arabia. We know Kevin's <laughs> listening, uh, you know, fucking from Marvel. So that's the only one we can confirm 100%. I don't know. I would definitely fucking buy a ticket to see some fucking wrestling action figures fight each other and go on some adventures and maybe, like, take down some humans. You could even have, like, where the, like... Some parts, the action figures like really come to life, and then you have the wrestlers. Then you, you know, yeah. They have like John a Cena has to fight against his own wrestling action figure, <laughs> and it's proportional strength. Like he's able to pick up John Cena and like, and and then they could go bring back some of the old ones, you know, the deceased ones because they're just action figures. It's all fair game now. Yeah, they don't. Well, I mean, you would have to get somebody involved for Andre because I'm pretty sure Andre's likeness and. Is owned by somebody else at this point. I think somebody specifically owns Andre's likeness, and I want to say Flair's likeness, like some company with a leftover license from the '80s when they were making action figures. Oh, of really? Them. Yeah, some weird loophole shit. Huh. It makes sense. It's in toy knowledge for you. Yeah. So thanks for coming to our Toy Ted Talk podcast <laughs> again. <laughs> we also watched a movie in the middle of it, <laughs> but that is going to be the one for small soldiers but coming up next we've got some more fucking summer days fucking nostalgic fun because we are one episode away from going to see barbie so we've got one more episode to fill in our nostalgic summer toys series Mm -hmm. a dan pick a dan pick and for dan's nostalgic pick we are going to be going to the fucking bookshelf to the public library? I spent a lot of summers at the public library. Oh, I spent so much time at the library, and <laughs> there was one thing that was Dan's fucking favorite thing at the library, and that was the fucking prose of one Mr. R.L. Stein and his series of books called Goosebumps. Mm, spooky. I think I just got goosebumps you saying that. <laughs> I can hear, like, the, the TV... Show intro of it. (laughs) I was a big Goosebumps kid. Next week for Dan's pick for Summer Nostalgia, Summer Days fucking series, we are going to be watching Jack Black and Goosebumps in honor of the Goosebumpery. I'm excited. It's it's definitely a fun watch. Jack Black is great as always. Maybe we can dive into a little bit of trauma I had that got cut out of an episode. That is uh, the lost episode, so to speak. The lost episode, the cursed episode. Yeah, fuck that. Or maybe we won't. Maybe we won't. <laughs> Don't want to jinx ourselves. No, I think it's going to be a fun watch, and I think it's going to be 
a perfect way. And then we get to jump into Barbie the week after that. And it's going to be beautiful. And if you want to follow along on the last little bits of our summer days. Make sure to follow along on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at Teach Cinema Podcast. Make sure to give us five stars, leave a review, everything. Remember, uh, just because you can't see something, it doesn't mean it isn't there. Wow. Words of wisdom. Well, something that I was glad was here was fucking Chaz for this episode. It was really great having you here, buddy. Thank you so much for for coming out and joining us on this one and getting put on the hot mic. It's been an absolute pleasure. It has been an absolute pleasure on my end. Thank you guys for hosting. Thanks for treating me out here. It's been so much fun. Thank you guys. What a great memory and great time. Yeah. Look at our fun little hobby we do. <laughs> We've made a friend. A legitimate friend. It's been it's been fun. It's been great. And Chaz, I can't wait to do it again with you, buddy. Absolutely. All right, but that is going to do it for this week's episode. So if you see four people on the goddamn fucking run from some fucking maniac war criminal fucking toys, but they're really, really high, come over and say hi. That might just be us. Okay, bye. Bye. Gorgonites. Out. So, but but fucking no, not but fucking. <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! Wrong type of movie. That's a different type of uh, small soldiers. <laughs> <laughs> microchips when you put them in things it brings them to life it doesn't matter what it is it just brings them to life that it's just creates sentience in things because science what would you want to put a chip into myself (laughs) sounds kind of kinky actually i don't know it seems kind of fun just put a chip in the back of your neck like oh i feel alive (laughs) it's like wait i didn't know that did that that's weird can i have another one can I put in a Furby and then put it in your attic? If I'm going to put one in a Megan, ah, in your closet. Actually, you could get a whole army of them. No. Wow. No. Apparently, you just no. log in, passwords no. gizmo. No. They're running no. a deal through the military no. right now. Prime Day's coming up soon. Goddamn Jeff Bezos.